at all. He's not saying that we wouldn't even be willing to give up our lives for one another, physically give up our lives for one another. It's not detracting from that statement, but he's also saying that we're willing to give up what we want to live for that we might live for him. It's amazing, isn't it? And so just in that little phrase, this is what he's telling you and me. And so we come to this place that we do it. Why, if not uh, that we actually repeat the action that he did in that sense, but that we imitate what he's done and we do it for Christ's namesake, not for our own. <laughs> now, he's not asking you to be crucified, but yet he is. He's saying, uh, Paul said, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. So there's something that we're giving up, isn't it? And what it is, is he's saying we need to give up self so that we might live for the Savior. And in so doing, you begin to serve people. So I really challenged my thoughts, and I want to challenge yours this morning. Does your love, does your love for this body of believers, Calvary Chapel, the members of this church, which many of you are a part of this body, <laughs> extend beyond words? Does it bring you to action? Does it bring you the love that God said that we're to have for one another, does it bring you to action? Now, I'm just challenging your hearts this morning because this is what he told us that we should do. Amen? This is what he said should be happening in our lives, that we're willing to take what we have and bring it forth and put it into action now. Now, as we look at this, the Lord our God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, his life for ours, and we're challenged in these verses to lay down our lives for the brethren. And I believe to have a heart it requires some understanding and action. Now, understanding and action of what? Well, one, we have to understand the action that Christ took for us. We have to understand the love of God. How deep was the love of God for you and me? I mean, when you pick up these pages, do you understand what he actually did for you? So I'm looking at this, and I'm saying understanding and acting regarding what? Well, the love of God. The love of God should cause me to understand what he's asking of me here, and the love of God should bring me to a place of action because that's exactly who my Savior was to me. And so he's saying, now, I want you to repeat this. I want you to do this very same thing. You said, preacher, where are you getting this? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. It says it, doesn't it? It clearly teaches us what we're supposed to be doing for one another. And so we look at that, and then I say, what else? Well, to have some compassion. Now, when I read the scriptures, did Christ have compassion upon the people? Did he show compassion? And we see it over and over again. And he had compassion upon the people. He had compassion for those that are in need. He had compassion. And so what does it do? Well, he has these bowels of mercy, if you will, that he performs certain things or does certain things because of his ability to do so. Amen. His ability goes way beyond yours and mine. We may have a physical ability. We may have a financial ability. We may be able to have a spiritual ability. But I'm telling you, our Savior took what God enabled him to do, and he brought forth food for our starving people that day, didn't he? So what are we doing? Well, what does compassion mean? And so we have the love of God, and then we have compassion for others. And here's the thing. The last thing is this, that we respond... Not just with words. Words don't accomplish a lot of things. Hey, listen, how many of you watched all the words that were spoken during these hearings? Amen? There was a lot of words spoken. What did they accomplish? Nothing but taking tax dollars out of my pocket. Amen? And I look at stuff, and I'm saying to myself, when I look at this, words accomplish very little. 
But he said, you know, words and the tongue, things we say. How many of you have started off in January with a big action you were going to take that year? And by the time January 3rd rolled around, you forgot about it. And the thing of it is, is words and tongue, those things, they don't mean anything. But Jesus said this to you and me. Not only did he tell us to love in the type of love that God loved us with, but he said, I want you to demonstrate it based upon the ability that I have given you. And then thirdly, you do it by acting upon it, and you do it according to the truth of God's word. You perform those things, and listen, you do that. Why? Because he loved you. You say, well, I don't really like that person. You know, I think there's a lot of people on this earth that Jesus probably really didn't like. <laughs> but he loved us in spite of who we were, didn't he? He loved us in spite of who we were. So the challenge to us this morning is this. Do you love the way God loved? You know, this is a very powerful statement here in verse 16 because it is to intimately know the love of God. This is a very personal, relational statement. When you read this, you understand what kind of relationship he wanted to have with us. He so much loved you, so much. And he wants you to know him, and he wants to know you so much, he died for you. Now, I don't know if that means anything to us today. I mean, we hear it preached, and we kind of just let it kind of roll off our back or roll off our shoulders or roll off our ears. But do you understand that he laid down his life for us? If someone dies for someone else, how big of a news story is that on TV? It's a pretty big deal, isn't it? When a man layeth down his life for someone else. How many of you just saw the fire the other day where the fireman went in and the fireman ended up dying because he was trying to help two others get out and two others uh, were some of the folks that he worked with at the fire department and got them out and got the children out and got the woman out and the man lost his life. It was a big deal. It was huge. Why? Because he laid down his life that they might live. <laughs> hey, there's no greater honor whenever you're in the military and a man give his life for others and he receives something, doesn't he? <laughs> there's an honor that comes with that because he was willing to die for someone else. I mean, it's a big deal. And I don't know any more Christians. Listen to me. I don't know if even the people sitting at Calvary Chapel Baptist Church really feel in their heart and in their minds anymore what Jesus Christ did for you. We have to come to that place understanding that he died for me. <laughs> you know, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, amen? It's a wonderful time of giving. Kids give lists and people give lists to one another. You just heard Jim's got a lot of money, so go see him. Black Friday's passed, but... <laughs> He's got a lot of money, right? <laughs> he bought a bunch of gifts. Just ask Laura, right? And uh, so we just ask her. Think about the gift God gave us on what we celebrated. You know, we celebrated on the 25th. But what gift did God give us? <laughs> he sent eternal life down to us. Do we thank God for that? Do we think about that. Have you, when's the last time you really pondered on your salvation? <laughs> and thought for a moment, what gift was I given? What was given unto me? You know, there's a surety and understanding with the Heavenly Father that you know Him personally and the love that He has for you. We're able to see that this is a very close relationship because He laid down His life for us. And notice the word perceive there. If you look that up, hereby perceive we the love. 
That word perceive is extremely important. <laughs> you ought to underline this in your Bible. That word perceive, hereby we perceive. This is not just, oh, I have a perception of something. No, 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 no. <laughs> when you start studying the Bible and you look at this and you see this word perceive, meaning you know him personally. <laughs> it's interesting. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, John is promoting this. He's talking to us about this relationship. So how do you get to know the love of God? That only comes by way of his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to me, folks. People can tell you whatever they want. I know the man upstairs. I, 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 know, I know the big one. I know, hey, listen, his name is God. And to get to him, you must know Jesus Christ. You can't get to God without Jesus, amen? And if you're going to know the Father, you have to know the Son. And if you're going to go to heaven, you have to trust what his son did on the cross at Calvary for you. Amen. And by trusting him as Savior, he then gives you another gift. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. And you are sealed until the day of redemption. And listen, if you are saved, you know you're saved. Amen. And if you sit here and you doubt it, you need to get a checkup. Find out what is causing this to happen in me. Do you know what causes people to doubt their salvation most of the time? It's a three-letter word. sin. And we walk in it daily. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life gets in our way. And then we begin to doubt. <laughs> and then we begin to doubt what God did for us. And you know what? We base it up on who we are, not who He is. <laughs> we base it up on what we've done, not what He's done for us. Our relationship is based on who I am, not on who He is. He is the Savior of the world. The love of God laid down His life for you and me. If you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, heaven is your home. And you don't have to do anything else. Now I tell you, once you get saved, you need to get baptized. And you say, why do you say you need to get baptized? Because I'm going to imitate my Savior now. Jesus was baptized. He is my example. I'm going to follow that example. I'm going to get baptized. Why? Because Jesus told me I should. And I follow in believer's baptism. Amen? It's an outward show of what Christ already did in my heart. Amen. And then by doing so, he, 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 the day you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved into your life. And people have told me, I can't understand that book. I can't read that book. I'm telling you, no. You have to be able to understand this book. You have to be able to read this book. And why? Because he loved you. He laid down his life for you. And he promised you this, that he would send you another comforter. And when he sent that comforter, you would be able to open this book and understand what you're reading based upon your salvation in Jesus Christ and who he is. Amen. And you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit's in you. You have the ability to understand that is the love of God. <laughs> when I look at this, you will not have access to the Lord. Folks, nor will you enter into heaven for all eternity without having placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not going to happen. <laughs> and if you don't know him today, you should know who he is. <laughs> And you need to have trust and faith in our Savior and what he did on the cross at Calvary for you. Now, when we consider the magnitude of this relationship, notice what we are to do as believers as part of this body. It says we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
Do you ever read the Bible, Brother Bill, and just go, wow. <laughs> What's that mean, Dan? You know? Jack, have you ever thought that way? What does that mean, Jim? Chris, what, what are we talking about here? You open the Bible and you read it, and, and Bill, it says that we ought to lay down our lives for one another, just like he did for us. Now, we can cast that off, Brother Bill, and we can just say, yeah, it's just a suggestion. <laughs> right? Or James, we can say, you know what? That is the Word of God. And Steve, this is what he told us to do. It's tougher that way, isn't it, David? You hear me, Bob? It's harder, isn't it? Brother Daryl, you hear what I'm saying? Aaron? <laughs> hey, listen, guys. God told us to do something, didn't he? You hear me, Jimmy? Ben, we're to lay down our lives for one another, Connor. God told us to do something. Tom, would you be willing? Hey, your son was in the military. He's in the Marines. You know, the day he signed that piece of paper and, and he left, you know, he said he's willing to give his life for ours. Thank God Tristan made it back. Amen. <laughs> Mike, what does it mean? Do I just take this as a light suggestion from God? <laughs> or do I actually start putting this stuff into action? Do I start doing something about this? You know, when I read this, this literally has the idea of dying to self and reaching out to help others in their relationship with Christ to the point that our life in Christ is is not as important as their life in Christ. <laughs> that I want to do something to help them with where they are and get them to the next level. That my desires aren't as important as his desires. That what I want isn't as important as what he wants to do in me. What, what's more important is what he wants to accomplish, not what I want out of life. When I looked at this, I'm convinced in Galatians 2.20 when Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me. I really believe Paul was saying, here's the thing. I'm alive. I'm physically alive, but I need to die to self. I need to live for what God wants to do, not for what I want out of this life. I know a lot of people right now, and listen, just calls in the last week or so, <laughs> folks that, that, that have, quote, made a living for themselves. They've invested everything into this life to have material goods. And they're absolutely miserable. They've not given of themselves to anybody. They've not given out what they possess. They, they've held on to everything, and it's all mine. And I did this, and I own this, and I possess this, and this is mine. And look at what I have, and look at what I've got, and look at what I've done, and look at what I've accomplished, and look at who I am, and look at my name, and look at my title, and look at all of my accomplishments. Would you look at me, please? God calls that the pride of life, doesn't he? We so much want to be recognized by everybody, but the one who really desires to recognize us. <laughs> when I go to the scriptures, he says, I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
You know, this type of love that we are to have for one another. How many of you have heard the phrase, talk is cheap? Anybody ever hear that? Talk is cheap. That had to start somewhere, didn't it? <laughs> you know why talk is cheap? You know, you find out who your friends are when you're getting ready to move a three-bedroom house. <laughs> Amen? You got two U-Hauls, uh, Brother Daryl. <laughs> you start to find out who your friends are when you're getting ready to move. Amen? And you're getting ready to move, and you're getting ready to move some stuff. You'll find out who your friends are. Hey, you'll find out who your friends are when you live on a third-floor apartment, and you're leaving that third-floor apartment and then moving to another third-floor apartment, and you got a bunch of junk. You'll find out who your friends are. Now, here's the challenge to you. This type of love that we're talking about here, talk is cheap, but Christ said it takes action, doesn't it? We have to do something about the love that we have. Here it is. It cost him something, and believe me, it's going to cost you something beyond your words. It's going to cost something to help people. You're going to have to invest in people's lives. You say, man, I've invested in people's lives, and they've let me down, and I ain't doing it no more. I ain't trusting nobody no more. Good. Live miserable then. But here's the thing. Have you ever let Jesus down? Have you ever let him down? Just say amen, folks. I know you're in this room this morning. Have you let Jesus Christ down? Amen. You know you have. And you go to him and you say, Lord, forgive me. And he says, I do. <laughs> Amen. And once he forgives me, I'm back in fellowship with him, and it is like it never happened. How many of us hang on to stuff? I'll tell you right now. You just don't know, preacher. Nope. Don't know, don't care. He does. I can't fix it. You can tell me anything you want. And I'll pray for you. To that end, I'll pray for you. And I care enough to pray about you and pray for you. But guess who can fix it? The one who loves you. And gave himself for you. Amen. Who's going to fix it? You think pastors are fixing it? You think I got whiffle dust in my desk? Huh? You come in and you tell me and I go, and you go, and walk out. Doesn't happen that way, does it? Now here's the thing. I do care. Most of the world says, don't know, don't care. You know your pastor cares about you? <laughs> I care about what's happening in your lives. I listen to you. I can't fix it. <laughs> you know who I tell you about who can fix it? His name is Jesus. He wrote this book, and he wants you to read it, and he wants to help you with what you're dealing with. Well, no, I thought you had two pills in your desk, and you were going to throw whiffle dust on me and give me those two pills, and I'd walk out of here, and everything would be better. How many would like that every time you go to the doctor, right? Hey, here, just take this medication. Oh, okay, if I take that medication, everything's going to be okay. And then you feel worse than you did before you started taking the medication. Many, like, have heard the phrase, talk is cheap. Christ is a man of action. We ought to be people of action. Your love for this body of believers, Calvary Chapel, its members, ought to extend beyond words. It ought to extend beyond words. We ought to really be able to go up to one another and say, I love you in the Lord. And I care about you. I care about what's happening in your life. Every one of you. Do you care? 
No, we only want to look at what's wrong. <laughs> or we just want to be critics. Or we just want to tell you how bad or how poor you are as a person or as an individual. We shouldn't be that way. Do you know what I found out? Everyone in this room has quirks, including this guy. Amen? And your quirks are different than mine. And thank God I didn't marry you. Amen? Because you couldn't handle my quirks. Thank God he gave me Anita. <laughs> and here's the thing. We're so busy looking at what's wrong, we can't look at what's right anymore. But do you know what the love of God did? Removed what was wrong. Amen? Looked down upon us and loved us for the condition that we were in and took us on board anyway when we said, would you save me? Amen. How wonderful is that? Amen. Hey, the love of God, right? Hey, the second thing is this. Our care for others should be greater, especially for the brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up the bowels of compassion from him. Notice what it says here. I didn't ask this question. God did. And he's asking every one of us. It's a rhetorical question. It's not like, oh, wait, 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 I got the answer. How many of you met kids like that in school? I, I got it, I got it, I got it. It's not what it is. Here's what he said. <laughs> How dwelleth the love of God in him? If you have, and you're hoarding, and you're not willing to help, how's the love of God dwelling in your heart? <laughs> Isn't that what he just said? You have the ability you can do something about something. And you have the ability, and you look at it and go, I just watched uh, A Christmas Carol. How many of you have ever watched A Christmas Carol? Huh? You ever watch it? Charles Dickens, I mean, what a great story. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever see a Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol? How many of you have ever seen it? Or you have no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, I don't know anything he's talking about. Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future, right? And Scrooge allowed his heart to become so tight and tied up that he didn't even want to let Cratchit put more than one coal on the stove at a time. Amen? When he saw him warming his hands by the candle, he was angry at him. It's mine. People came and were looking for him to give to help some of the orphans in the community. And he said, let them care for themselves. <laughs> Here's the idea. He said in this passage, when we have the world's goods and, and we see if someone have a need and we shut up up the bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God? How's, how's the love of God dwelling in you if you're able to do that? Now, here's the thing. We can make light of this and uh, what's being preached. However, the uh, Lord does not see this deficiency as something that should be present in our life. That's why he told us this. That's why he asked the question the way that he did. Is this happening in you? Does it happen in you? As we learned from 1 Corinthians, we're a body of believers, and our action or inaction will affect the membership. He said in 1 Corinthians 12, 25-27, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now are ye the body of Christ and members in particular? And, and listen to me, folks. The way we live in this world today is we go on Facebook and you go... Pfft. Do you see what so-and-so got? You get upset. Do you see what they bought? They think they're something, don't they? Look at what they got now. 
yes, I, I hate Facebook now. I'm being honest with you. Somebody hijacked my account the other day, my Twitter account. So they're contacting all my contacts now. So I had to shut my Twitter account down. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I'm glad it's gone. Amen? <laughs> and by the way, if I contacted you, I did it. So if I said something mean, it wasn't me. It was my alternate ego. <laughs> Somebody hijacked my account, so I just canned it today. But I'm just sharing with you. We base our lives on what we're watching other people. How about when you see them go on vacation, you're like, wow, man, we need a vacation like that. <laughs> look at what they've got. Look at, I mean, look, they're at this. Did you notice their coffee? Look, it had a heart in it. Who gets coffee with a heart? Who can afford that? And we're so busy looking at what other people have, we never look at what God's doing for us. When I look at this, it says, whether one member suffer, we all suffer with one that's honored, we honor them. This tells us that we have to see the need of those that have not, and yet we have to respond. We can't say nothing. We can't do nothing about it. We have to respond. We have to do something about it. What is meant by bowels of compassion? It's a heart of affection. It's tenderness. It's care. It's concern. It's understanding. Hey, listen, think about the condition you were in before you got saved <laughs> and the things that you were doing and the impatience that we have with others when they first get saved. The impatience that we have with new converts. The impatience that we have with other people around us. And the reality is, is we ought to have some patience for these folks. And what is meant by bowels of, compa of compassion? It's affection. It's a, it's a tenderness. This is exactly what our Heavenly Father demonstrated to us while we were still in that condition. Romans 5, 7 through 8, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. <laughs> for someone that is just a really good person, most people won't die. But Jesus died for the ungodly, didn't he? And the sinner. He died for the ungodly and the sinner. That, my friends, is compassion, isn't it? That is compassion. That is really demonstrating compassion. He said, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> he did it for you and for me. He loves us. So as I look at this, this is based upon our, uh, or, or necessitates us as, as an individual to fulfill what God's told us to do. This isn't for someone else to fulfill the debt. It's for us to fulfill what God told us to do. In Philippians 2.4, he said, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He wasn't saying covet what other people have. That's not what he meant by that. He was saying, hey, uh, you know, don't, don't be so concerned about what you have and what you possess and what you want and what you desire. and what you, Hey, we ought to look and see what we can do for other people around us. Amen. We ought to look and see what we can reach out to other people and do. That's what he was saying in Luke 6.38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And we might say, I never have enough. I never get enough. I want more. 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 And God said, start giving, and you'll find out what I can give to you. Now, we always look at that as worldly possessions and how much money's in my bank account and what kind of car I'm driving, but you know it could come down to your health. <laughs> but we're always worried about what the neighbors have <laughs> or what someone else has. That is why Facebook and social media is so popular. 
We're always looking at what everybody else has got or what everybody else has done or where everybody else has gone or what everybody else owns or whatever anybody else knows. And, and listen, you can lie today if you want to, but once you post something, you go back and look at it and find out how many hits you got. Because <laughs> we all want love, don't we? If you give love, <laughs> I read this verse, and it shall be given unto you. You give love, and it shall be given unto you. Now listen, in Acts 20, 35, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to, come on, folks. How many of you know these verses? It's more blessed to do what? Than it is to what? No. I must have more gifts under the tree than anybody. Because it is sure more blessed to receive than it is to give. And it's about me. And then we wonder why kids at birthday parties throw their bodies down and throw tantrums, right? <laughs> or they freak out in the store because they didn't get their Snickers bar. <laughs> the debt. The debt is paid because even Christ showed you love. And you didn't deserve it. Did you deserve it? But he paid your debt, didn't he? And sometimes we can reach out. We have an ability to do something, and we do nothing. But we have the ability to do something about it. We have the resources, we have the means, we have the ability, and we do nothing. Because I am much more important than anything around me. When I look at this, the debt, even Christ showed you. Now what did he tell us? We're to do the same toward others, especially the household of faith. Listen to me. Galatians 6.10, you might want to write this down. Write Galatians 6.10 down, because here's what it says. As we have therefore opportunity, <laughs> as we therefore have opportunity, he said, let us do good unto all men. He didn't just say save men now, but he said all men. And then he makes this statement, he says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We should especially be good to one another. <laughs> We should not be talking about one another and always bringing up the past and what someone said and what someone did. We shouldn't do it in our homes and we sure enough shouldn't do it in the house of God. Amen. We need to have some compassion. When I look to the scriptures, so then the question is now posed to us as readers, the saved, the believer, the brethren, if we cannot display compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If we can't display compassion one to another, where is the love of God in your life? If you cannot display that compassion, this is an important question for each of us to answer, or we ask ourselves, how are you abiding in Christ and following his example of life, of obedience, and the will of God if I have no desire to be a help to anybody else? Because I am the center of attention. <laughs> it's about me. And so here it is. This compassion is what Christ demonstrated to us that we did not deserve salvation, but he provided it to us anyway. 
And, and if we'll trust and believe in him and what he did on the cross, we shall live for all eternity. What a gift. Amen. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what, folks? Eternal, Eternal life. But it's through who? You don't get it any other way. <laughs> what a great gift. So as a believer, we may look upon another, and even if they don't deserve it, we say, you know what? How many of us have done this? Listen, we've done that. Just listen, I know I'm a human being. <laughs> I have red blood flowing through, flowing through my veins. And you've looked upon someone else, and you thought, they don't deserve that. Now you're all looking at me like, I didn't know my pastor was that as big of a sinner. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. And you look and you say, why, why that, Lord? Why, what in the world, man? And I start whining like the guy back in the Psalms, right? Until I went into the house of the Lord and I looked at their end sometimes, right? And you look at this and you see this and you see the world's goods and you say, what would please him? Would it please him more for me to have this and we convince ourselves? Absolutely. God would be so well pleased if I had that Ford F-250 with a dually on the back of it with tan leather interior. Hunt green, by the way. Smelling that new light. God would, I mean, that, that's exactly what he wants me to have. And I convince myself. <laughs> but if you had the means, would you buy it for someone else and give it to them? Chris said, no, I'd buy him a Chevy. <laughs> I went up and hugged him yesterday, Aaron. Told him I was convinced yesterday that uh, I might buy a Chevy next because I watched something happen to his vehicle and it didn't even move it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pushed it a little bit. Love is not just a spoken word, but it's actions out of the heart of a Christian. Last verse here. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in what, folks? truth. Love indeed and in truth. Love is not just spoken word, but it's action out of the heart of Christians. So John is writing and he showed that uh, the, these people that he's writing to, he referred to them as family. He referred to them as my little what? He's talking to them, isn't he? He said, my little children. So he sets before us a challenge here and how truly we are to show the love of Christ. And he said, let me tell you how to show the love of Christ. So we're told to lay down our lives, to show compassion through giving of our worldly goods. And now it's born out of actions in life, not just words. It's by what we do, not just what we say. Again, we see this intimacy here because we see him talking about his intimate relationship with God, and now he's bringing that relationship down, and he's having that intimate relationship with the people he's talking to now because he said, my little what? It's an intimate relationship, isn't it? And he said, let me tell you about this. And so we see this intimacy, and so we get here, and John's talking about the action that we need to take. In Romans 12, 9 and 10, he says, let love be without dissimulation. Do you know what that means? That's a big word that just says you're a pretender if you're doing that. <laughs> Don't be a pretender. Be real. Don't be pretentious. Now, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another. This word deed means effort. <laughs> the word deed here, he said it's putting forth effort. It's laboring. It's putting forth some work. So he said don't don't just speak words and, and let things roll off your tongue, little phrases. But he said, man, put that stuff into action. It takes effort to do this. And you've got to put forth effort. And so you look at this and you say, you've got to put forth the effort. 
In John 15, 12, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Listen, John's repeating what he wrote in John, and now in 1 John, he's repeating what he said in John. And he's saying this is what Jesus told us, that we ought to love one another. He tells us in Galatians 6, 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is we owe no man anything but love. And do we? Do we love one another? I mean, can you kneel down and in your heart say, Lord, I love my church family. And let me tell you, whom I'm thinking about right now, I love them, Lord. Can you do that? Can you kneel down and tell God how much you love these people? And you can name them by name, and you can say, God, I love them. I want what's best for them. God, I want you to have their hearts and their lives. God, I love these people. And God, I want you to love them. And he says, I do, Bob. I love them. And he says, I want their hearts. <laughs> and we preach the love of God. And do we love one another? Proverbs 19, 17 and 22, 9. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. Did you hear that? He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto whom? To God. I'm going to give back, aren't I? He lendeth unto the poor. Hey, listen, and that which he hath given will he repay him again. Now, when I, I, I've shared this before, and I'm sharing this with you again, but Jim Bossy, who has Jehovah Jireh Ministries, I asked him, Jim, how did you become a millionaire? He said, I saved my pennies and I saved my dollars. He was not wealthy. He came from downtown Baltimore. He was as poor as could be. His father was a drunk. He beat his mom daily. Hey, listen, it was a horrible situation to grow up in. I said, how did you become wealthy? He said, I learned to save my pennies, and I saved my dollars. And he began to save his pennies, and he began to save his dollars. And then he has this wealth. <laughs> and he said, I look back, and I think to myself, why did God allow me to have this? And God ends up saving his soul. <laughs> and Brother Daryl, the more that man gives away, the more God gives him. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. And the more he gives away, the more God gives to him. And the more he gives away, the more God gives to him. You say, well, good for him. No, I don't think good for him. I think he saved his pennies, he saved his dollars, God got his heart, and he got his wallet. <laughs> And he started looking around and said, what is the need? And he said, I'm going to do something about the need. And he started to give. Brother Bill, I have watched that man, and I listen, I've been with him for now $21 million given away. He's not any poorer today than he was when he started giving it away. In fact, God's blessed it multiple times. We're trying to get to the place where we give away more, Chris. For what reason? So that Jim Bossy can be lifted up or so that the Word of God can get out? Are you with me? He can't lose because God's on his side and he's on God's side. And when you give to the house of the Lord, listen, I want you to know that's God working in your life. Amen. That's God doing something in your life. And sometimes we have our possessions and we want to possess our possessions and we want no one to be partakers of our possessions. And God says, I own it anyway. 
Got to thinking the other day, most of us have a mortgage. Most of us do, right? <laughs> and if I die, my wife die, my kids die, and there's no one left to get it, none of us owned it anyway, right? Right? Man, we forked out all kinds of money for them things. <laughs> and my worldly possessions mean more to me than the lives of people. Folks, he said in 22.9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. Romans 15.1, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. You ready for this? And not to please ourselves. Wow. Hey, Bill, when I hear stuff like that, man, it tears my heart out. <laughs> I'm thinking how guilty I am at times, you know what I mean? And conviction comes over me. I'm telling you, fellas, I read stuff and I'm thinking, why do I own anything? <laughs> why can't we just be cheerful givers? You know, what's Calvary Chapel Baptist Church here for anyway? <laughs> that we may win the lost, amen? That souls would come unto Christ. It's not a club. It's not the VFW. <laughs> it's not the Knights of Columbus. Amen? It is Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in Minister, Ohio. The purpose of the church is to win the lost. See souls saved. And we can reach out to people. Listen, if we're not willing to reach out to them, especially when they're weak, why would you think God would make us strong? I read this verse to you again. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Truth. He said, do it indeed, do it in true truthfulness. This is reality. That's what it really is. By the way, Facebook's not real. Did you know that? It's okay to say that. You can even say it out loud from your lips to God's ear. Facebook isn't really real. People show you highlights of their life when things are okay or good or when they're at their utter worst. Right? When I look at this, truth is reality, action taken based upon what you're doing, not just speaking. This is not being fulfilled without any effort. It's done by a pure heart, not in pretense, not as a hypocrisy uh, type thing, but in words, and they match your actions. Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And James 1.25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his seed. We need to become people of action, not just words. We have to act upon things. We have to do things. You say, preacher, why are you being so hard on us? I'm not. I'm just reading the Word of God, folks. <laughs> I'm not trying to be hard on you. Hey, I have to write these things, right? Yeah. And I'm basing it upon the truth of God's Word. How are we going to reach people with the gospel? And I'm not talking about building a crowd. I'm talking about a church being built. Each one of you reaching one family. And if you brought them next Sunday, how many would be here? 
Each one of you in here, reach one family and bring them with you next Sunday. How many would we have in here? Anybody good at math? Double what we have right now, preacher. <laughs> right? Or more. Because James and June go down the street and there's a man and a wife and four kids and they all come. Chris goes down the street and finds a single guy and brings him to church with him. Aaron and Amy, you go out and you, you bring a family that has 10 kids. Amen? Did you hear what I said, brother? How many do I want you to bring? Right? 12, because there's a mom and dad and 10 kids. You got it? <laughs> I'm picking on you. But if every one of us would just reach out and love and reach somebody, amen? Everyone in here, just bring someone with you next Sunday. And you say, well, what are you going to preach on? I don't know yet. Bring him and God will reveal it to you next Sunday. <laughs> but what are we going to do? Now we can sit, soak, sour, and die. For every one of you men, tonight I'm having a prayer meeting at 6.30. You can come. And you can pray with your pastor and say, Lord, what would you have us to do? How are we going to reach people with the gospel? Hey, listen, we're in a tough community. I've been out knocking on doors for a long time here, man. It's tough out there. People's lives are a mess, folks. You get it? I go knock on some of them doors now, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, man, what am I going to do? And then God gives me a heart for them, and I love them. Why? Because he loves them. He said, how can you love somebody you don't know? Because he loves them. How are we going to reach them? Well, preacher, you've got to understand, there are certain kinds. No. 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 Hey, if Jesus led the madman to Gadarenes, we ought to go find him. Amen? And the man was clothed and in his right mind and at the feet of who? That's love. That's compassion. That's loving in deed and in truth, isn't it? We don't get to pick and choose, but we do get to witness. Isn't that what he told us? So here's my challenge to you this morning before I close in prayer. How many of you will pray when you walk out this door, maybe even this morning? There's an altar up here, by the way. It's a useful tool, believe me. And would kneel down and say, Lord, I know this family. Pastor's talking to us. And you say, well, I, I, I don't really get along with them that well. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Go tell them about Jesus Christ. You'll take, take and make your enemy your friend. Amen. <laughs> and say, Lord, I want to bring somebody with me next Sunday. Somebody that maybe has never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Somebody that maybe is saved and not going to church anymore. Somebody that you come in contact with regularly that you know is having difficulties in their life and they need exactly what I'm talking about this morning. They need the love of God. They need others to show them compassion. And the only way they're going to see it is if we do it indeed. Taking the effort to do it, right? And in truth, using the Word of God to accomplish it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we love you.